Hey, what's going on, everybody? Like, thank you all for tuning in to the show. I got my crew with me, Darnell and Tyler. I'm Trey, and we're coming your way with the 70th edition of No Killer Messages podcast. First thing we're about to get into is last week's pay-per-view, UFC 212. Uh, about to talk about some of the fights that we saw there. All together, uh, this is a pretty impressive uh, pay-per-view. Uh, if you want to like some knockouts, I'm pretty sure everybody likes to see. Uh, you got a chance to saw, uh, see that. Um, and some submission in the pay-per-view as well. So this is pretty entertaining. But the first thing we're about to talk about is uh, my guy Vito Belfort uh, versus Nate Marquardt. Just uh, thoughts on that fight, Darnell? Uh, I mean, personally, that one, I just kind of felt like it was a fight between two guys that were at the end of their careers and it showed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they, they did all they could, they could, but I mean, it just really wasn't a, <clears throat> wasn't a pretty fight. Uh, yeah. went the distance. Uh, we, we had some exchanges. Uh, Vitor came out uh, with the unanimous decision, even though he landed 30 less strikes than Nate Marquardt. Uh, yeah, I, sometimes I was, it's the type of strikes he land. Yeah, I was texting Ty. I was a little bit uh, nervous about that because uh, I thought they probably were going to give it to uh, Nate. But was that yeah, and, and I, the home guy? Yeah, I was going to say, I texted Trey and I said, that's, that's a home crowd call. Like, that I, I felt. Marquardt kind of had a little bit of an advantage if either guy had one. I felt like it should have gone to him personally. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm not going to argue with anybody that feels like uh, Nate Marquardt won that fight. Um, like I said, the the numbers are there for anybody to see. His his volume was uh, much higher. Uh, even had a better like percentage of all the volume that he landed so but you know when when you're fighting in brazil sometimes if you don't put somebody away yeah things can happen <laughs> yeah like us uh with tyler um but the whole home court thing i definitely do believe that played a major role in my guy vitor getting that win um like i said i was texting him i was pretty nervous about uh, him losing that one, but he came through and win. So I'm always happy to see my guys winning the UFC. But, uh, yeah, I was a little just disappointed in the fight. Uh, I agree with you, Darnell. Uh, especially from Vitor, man, just seeing uh, what this guy was capable of doing. Uh, definitely was not one of his um, best performances in the ring. Uh, and, you know, after the ring, they was talking about him retiring and whatnot. Um, it's definitely getting close to that time, man. So it was good for him to get that win, even though, like I said, I was pretty nervous about it, just looking at the volume and everything that Nate landed against him. Um, but, hey, I'm, a win's a win for my guy, so I'm not going to complain that much. <clears throat> that physique is deflating fight yeah. by fight, too. <laughs> Need him a shot at that TRT, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's starting to look every bit of his age now. Yeah. Uh, you have anything else to add for that fight, Ty? No, you know, just, I don't know. Other than the decision, it was slightly boring. I mean, I think the decision kind of turned a few heads. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, neither of these, I, granted, every every fight, you know, counts, especially if you're trying to build your career up. Uh, But, 
you know, neither of these guys were really fighting for anything, so I'm kind of not surprised the call went the way it did. Uh, it doesn't really affect either guy a whole lot. All right. Uh, next, we're about to get into uh, Claudia Gadelia versus Kovalkiewicz. Um, like I said, I was telling you last week, Darnell, uh, between these two, I was going to be expecting a good fight uh, between these two because both of them put in major work. Uh, I guess JJ, uh, both of them had pretty good fights against her. Uh, but Gadelia came in there. She got the fight over with quick, man. Um, choked her out. Uh, just what were your whole thoughts on that? And do you think, uh, just after that performance, that quick submission, you think this is going to basically secure her with a, uh, third time, her fighting JJ for the third time, or you think somebody else will get it or what? Well, I mean, she, she made the best case she could for getting it. I mean, she came in there like on a mission. She stood through a couple strikes, but then, you know, got uh, Carolina Kovacavich down, and uh, it was like just counting down the clock right there. She she went to work, took her back, got that choke, and, you know, made made short work of the night for herself, made, made it an easy night. She... Probably was at uh, at her at at the club in Brazil soon after. Uh, but yeah, I think she she made the best case she could. If if you put down number three or uh, number two uh, contender that quickly, when both she and uh, and uh, Kovalkiewicz took JJ two decisions. Yeah. And she went and finished her off that quick. That, that makes you think like, okay, well, I, I do remember how that first round looked. I do remember how the first part of the second round looked. If, if she could do things a little different and keep that gas tank, maybe we can get a different outcome. I mean, yeah. she's, she's clearly showing that, I mean, she is the clear, I mean, I guess number two fighter in that division behind JJ. Uh, I guess, I mean, I don't know who else you can give a fight ahead of her. Cause I mean, she's showing that she's that much of a class above number three, number three in that division. So yeah, people may not want it because she's lost twice, but man, who else has earned it? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm 50 50 on this one, man. Um, I do, like I said, Gadelia, you know, she's looking like the clear-cut number two fighter in that division, um, but she's going to go in there and face JJ for the third time. If that does happen, she lost the previous two. If this was split 1-1 one, one, uh, between those two fighters, I could definitely understand a three, but once you go for a second time, the third time is like, uh, and you lost the previous two, it's kind of like, for real, like what's, you know, kind of like what's the point of watching this? But second fight, it was a good fight, man. Um, she did look like she was going to win that fight, but her gas tank, um, <clears throat> started to give out around the third or fourth round, um, in that fight. And things started going down here from there. So that was a good learning experience from her. You know, hopefully she can learn, uh, put the condition up if the, put the condition up a little bit more. Um, if they, if these two do decide to fight again, but, um, yeah, like I said, it's 50 50 on her, man. I think it's going to be a good fight, but, you know, once you're 0 2 against a fighter, it's kind of like, you know, what's the point of seeing part three? So. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, to give a mirror to it, it's very similar to back when Rousey was on her rise in the Bantamweight division. Misha Tate was the clear next yeah. best fighter, but she beat her twice, and it was hard to, I mean, she never did get that third fight. Just, yeah. like, they just kept throwing people in there against Rousey and giving Misha Tate different fights and giving her just different hurdles to go through until somebody lost. And, you know, finally you got that Kat Zingano win over Misha to kind of cushion not having to give her a third fight. And then finally Rousey lost. And then, you know, history's there where Tate got her her chance to win a belt. So it's kind of, Claudia is in that Misha Tate role right now where everybody that watches this division knows she's the next best fighter, but you know, you, you're 0-2 versus champ. You haven't earned a third fight. You you have, but do people want to see it? Yeah, exactly. Now, like I said, if they could put up another classic, like the second fight uh, that they had, you know, I'd be down for seeing it. But you know, like I said, once you lose two two in a row, it definitely loses. <clears throat> Makes me uh, have less of an incentive to see a third fight between the two. But uh, she's like I said, she's definitely looking like the clear cut uh, second best fighter in that division. So. All right, man. Anything else? Uh, will you have anything to add for this fight, Ty? Or no? Uh, yeah, I'm right in line with you guys, and especially for getting a third fight. You know, it kind of sucks that you could be a clear cut number two and not get a shot at it just because it's kind of already, you know, a stale fight. Like, like I said, we've seen it twice. We've seen the same decision twice, and. Uh, yeah, it would it would be terrible to have to continue to throw, you know, the third, fourth, fifth best fighter in the division just because, uh, you know, the number two's lost twice already. I mean, I think you get one more shot. If you lose three, I think I think that's it. Um, at least until somebody else is named uh, named champion of the division. But uh, I think one more should be in store. Uh, if they could pair it up with another big event, uh, big fight, I think that would help big time. I think that especially helped the chance of it happening for a third time because I don't think you can go with that being the main event unless you make it like a fight night. Yeah. All right. Uh, up next. Wow. Got to talk about my boy now. Uh, we got Jose <laughs> Aldo versus Max Holloway. Um, uh, I, I'll let you, I'll, I'll let you start. Go ahead. Start it off. Gardo. <laughs> I mean, uh, both fighters came out, uh, you know, trying to show what they were like standing up. Jose looked very good in the first round. Uh, seemed like in the second, but that's where the tide started to turn, where, uh, where Max Holloway started to pick up steam and find a groove for himself. And then, Third round, it totally had flipped. Uh, Max probably lost that little bit of fear you have walking into a cage against somebody like Jose. He started to believe he can fight with him and believe he was better than him. And, you know, and it seemed like Jose was then the one that was a little bit gun shy and was losing exchanges and was second. Uh, two exchanges and 
being second to exchanges usually means you're the one that gets caught. And yeah. that's what happened. He got caught, and Max <clears throat> got that TKO. Yeah. Got to say, man, first of all, first man for all, though, man, tremendous heart for him, the man, to keep taking them punches, dude, because he, uh, even though, you know, you had like a minute left, he was still giving the ref the thumbs up, wanted to keep going. But uh, any other fight, the referee would have uh, called it since uh, it wasn't doing wasn't doing that much to, yeah. uh, to defend himself. So I could definitely, I know he was complaining about that, saying that the ref should have let it go. But it's like, man, come on. Ref gave a lot of chances. <coughs> can't just a be lot in of chances. Yeah, you can't just be in a fetal position for two minutes, just letting the guy pound on you and not do anything wrong uh, and expect him to uh, call that off, call, uh, not call the fight off. So, yeah, that was good hard, man, to see him, you know, want to fight through it. But, yeah, he referee made a good choice right there but uh my man Aldo man I was pretty disappointed in him uh his performance I was talking last week about uh I wanted him to chop down uh Max Holloway uh <clears throat> wanted him to keep uh keep a good distance man to start striking at uh his legs uh there was a stat I wanted to bring up but I couldn't find it but uh if you look at Max Holloway's like last four fights um, his fighters, uh, that he faced, uh, had pretty good success against chopping at his leg. Uh, some of them connected, um, connected about 20 leg shots, 20 leg shots against them, uh, about like 80 something percent, connecting 84 percent altogether, uh, with those last four. Although he only threw one leg shot and it pissed me off, uh, cause it's like, how is that your bread and butter with people are known, for, uh, for watching your fights, known from seeing from you? And you only throw one leg shot in those three rounds before the ref called the fight off. Um, but that was, so that was just very disappointing for me. Because, um, <clears throat> like, I was watching the fight. I was looking at the first round. Uh, he had that nice little uh, flurry that was connecting against him. Uh, where I thought uh, he could have knocked him out, uh, knocked Holloway out, but he did it. But I was just looking. I was like, okay, one minute in, no leg shot. Two minute in, no leg shot. Three minute in, it's like, what is this guy doing? And, uh, he ended up, I think he threw with the leg shot in the second round. But another key thing, man, that really just disappointed me about Aldo in this one was Max Holloway in the second round. Like, he just stood, like, right in front of Aldo and was taunting the guy. And Aldo just stood there, like, I'm sitting there, like, you seriously just gonna let this guy just taunt you right now? Like, just punk you and you just stand there and don't do nothing like that WEC although would have kicked the shit out of him for doing that he just stood there so I was like man this is starting to turn for the worse and third round man that was when Holloway just got confident uh really really confident went in there to start taking it to him and punched him and start beating on him to the referee called it out so this was just all together just very disappointing for my man um I went in there like I said I thought he was gonna to see him uh, stand doing this whole stand up, doing this punching routine and whatnot, but for him to only attempt one leg kick, uh, that was very disappointing. Because uh, I thought that would have been a huge factor in him winning, and <clears throat> him winning if he would decided to connect with the leg kicks. But he didn't do that, and that ended up having him get a TKO. So I really think my man has to do some evaluation after this fight, man, because that was. Uh, he, like I said, he won the first two rounds. Um, you know, he was fighting good, but I definitely disagree with the fight plan coming into that fight, uh, with him not attempting more leg kicks against Max Holloway. 
do you feel like he was in his own head? Uh, probably due to the McGregor fight since he was fighting a, I, w- I don't want to say similar fighter, but like similar size fighter, somebody yeah, that's guys taller, lanky yeah. and tall for the division. Yeah, I do. I, I really think, man, this kind of, kind of like the similarities between, uh, you know, those two with the whole just length and everything like that. I really do, man, because once, once I saw, um, him, you know, go like, and also before I get to that, uh, you know, just talking about with the whole trash talk and everything, like McGregor and Holloway are like the two guys I think of that like wasn't afraid to just talk trash to, uh, Jose Aldo during his career. So that was kind of, mm-hmm. you know, that was something new to him. Usually people that he fight that be so respectful to him, but you know, Jose Waldo, where's Waldo and everything like that and all the trash talk, uh, that McGregor, um, was sent to him and then he ended up getting knocked out in thir- what, 13 seconds against McGregor. So I definitely believe that played, uh, that was definitely new to, uh, Aldo and I definitely think, uh, that got into his head as well, uh, coming into this fight. Plus, like I said, just with the length and everything like that. But once I saw him taunting Aldo in that second round and Aldo just stood there, I was like, come on. I was like, yeah, this dude's getting his confidence. And next round, he knocked him out. So, yeah, and I, I feel like a, a new era has started with that. I mean, for as young as Max Holloway is to to get that confidence going and look how he did, yeah. uh, I think a torch got passed. She really said. What were you about to say, Doctor? Yeah, oh. I, I, I was. I was just going to hop in and just say, like, it really seemed like the second half, that second round, Max Holloway started landing some really big, really big punches. Yeah. Um, and, Ooh, and like you guys said, that, just, yeah. And like you guys were saying, that just built his confidence. But do you think once he started landing those punches, Aldo felt like that's how he needed to match him? Like, cause it, cause it felt like, at least to me, I felt like they were starting to just exchange some pretty big blows, but, we just had more in the tank. Uh, I mean, one thing it, it just it just it just seemed like they were all, they were each going for the home run punch, like for the rest of the fight. Yeah, one thing I kind of noticed about Aldo, uh, he had a fight. Uh, he fought your guy, uh, the Korean Zombie Tai, um, a while back, and uh, he broke his foot. I guess the Korean Zombie uh, trying to kick him, mm-hmm. and like ever since he uh, fought the Korean Zombie, like broke his foot. That's when you really started to see him attempt less and less leg kicks down the road. So, like, uh, went in there, I, I don't know what he would have done against uh, McGregor if he would have started chopping him because that was just so quick, uh, you know, 13 seconds. But uh, Edgar didn't attempt uh, many leg kicks against uh, Frankie Edgar, uh, even though I can understand, you know, because if he gets a chance to, uh, Edgar can take you down and whatnot. But especially this one, um, he did only attempted one leg kick. So I was just like, wow. Um, but yeah, he's been doing a lot of just punching, hasn't really been throwing leg kicks, uh, like he used to. So I don't know if back when he broke his foot against this guy, Korean zombie, I don't know if that just kind of made him a little bit nervous and weary about throwing it or what. But, uh, yeah, he hasn't been, uh, using those leg kicks, um, like he used to. Cause that dude, he's put people in crutches. That's definitely an uh, interesting thought. I mean, I wish I could see a stat of like the amount of leg kicks he's thrown per fight now to see. I mean, 
I, I can only assume that it's gone down just from watching his fights. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, four or five years ago, that's basically you knew that's what you were going to get w- with a Jose Aldo fight. You knew somebody's somebody's left leg or plant leg was going to just be swollen by the end of a fight. And yeah. Hopefully, they can figure out some other way to to do something, but but yeah, it, it just hasn't been the case for him as of late. Uh, I mean, you, you you spoke on that one. I hadn't even thought about it, but I do remember watching that Frankie Edgar fight, and it was just it was pretty much pure boxing match, yeah. and and Jose stuffing takedowns. Yeah, but yeah, outside of that, there he he never really tried to uh, test that leg at all. He just you know. Did what he could do to to stay out of Edgar's clutches and you know used it with the hands. He won that fight clearly and easily. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's definitely a good point. Yeah. So, like I said, man, um, you know, like I mentally, you know, I know, like I've read some stuff on Aldo where he said that, um, you know, he doesn't. He's mentally not there. Like he doesn't really want to do uh, UFC like he uh, MMA like he uh, wants used to and he wants to play soccer uh after um he uh, finishes with the ufc and things like that so uh just read some stuff um you know just mentally uh sounds like he's not in it anymore like he used to be um uh, but man if you know it just sucks like you see that guy like uh like i said Ty, and uh this guy like what i'm known to seeing first time thinking about Aldo, this guy put um what was his name? Uriah Faber and crushes dude just from kicking him so much. And now it's like this guy's Oh yeah, his doing. his leg after that fight? Yeah. Like if you ever check that out, Ty, see if you can check that out. They got that on the um internet. But yeah, this guy was just kicking the hell out of people. And you know, to see that man, see uh the second round a guy just go up in that ring and just, you know, taunting them and he's just standing there like, What do I do? It's like, come on man. Uh like I really do. I really think with the trash talk and uh, just with McGregor, uh, him being like, uh, Holloway being like similar, like tall guy against McGregor. I really do. I think mentally, uh, he's just not there right now, man. Like he really needs to do some, uh, soul searching, uh, and get back to where he is, man. Where he wants to Well, and also, also just to point out of all sports to still try to continue in where you aren't totally into it. Yeah. MMA is like that and boxing are probably the two sports where it's like if you're not in it and you like don't want to totally be doing this, you yeah. probably shouldn't because yeah. you're going to get what you just health and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man. But, but yeah, I was just about to ask uh, you, Darno, uh, uh, no, Ty, like I said, you don't uh, know Jose like we do. Um, but just looking at his, uh, you know, he did do a good job against Frankie Edgar. He got knocked down in 13 seconds um, against McGregor. Uh, he was handling business for the first two rounds, and then Holloway got it. You just said that you believe Holloway is basically going to be uh, the new face for the division, man. Just what do you think uh next for, for all of them? I, I mean, I think we covered it. He, he needs to go back home think about does he really want to do this because I, I don't think he's like totally lost as far as his talent go, talent goes he's not he hasn't like slowed down in my opinion yeah uh i, I kind of agree this was more of a mental breakdown plus like he's changed the way he fights 
Yeah. And it changed it for the worse. Yeah. So if if this is if he doesn't feel like this is for him anymore, he needs to call it a day. He's yeah. hopefully hopefully made his money, uh as something we'll talk about later, you know. Uh there's there's certain fighters that the UFC treats well, there's certain that they don't. Yeah. Uh and title having a title doesn't mean you're gonna be a millionaire, but hopefully he's made the money he should make. Uh, hopefully, at least just off of that McGregor fight alone, he yeah. he made plenty. But uh, but yeah, if if he's if he doesn't really have this in his heart and he doesn't have the drive to try to be the best, it's probably a better choice for him to just call it a day. Because I mean, he doesn't have anything to prove. Yeah, he he, he was a arguable arguable number one pound pound fighter at his peak. Uh, it was basically him or Anderson. So. Man, GSP too when he was there. Yeah, but yeah. like, yeah, but like, like what I was just about to say, man. Like, yeah, he definitely needs to do some soul searching, you know. Especially like for me because like Aldo and Anderson Silva, um, those are two of my all-time favorites. Uh, and you know, these are like when these guys were at their peak, they were just unstoppable. And you know, like once you start to see this stuff now, man, it's like, dang, you know, it's. When they're not, you know, fighting like how they used to, man, it definitely uh, starts to hurt, man. Just watching those guys go out there and lose in the fashion that they're losing. But um, oh yeah. yeah, it's it's rough to see see legends go down, especially if they stay past their prime. You know, like personally for me, like I I hated watching the end of Matt Hughes' career because he kept taking fights where his chin wasn't there anymore. Yeah. And, like, on the boxing side, I still can't stand that Roy Jones Jr. <laughs> keeps taking fights. So, yeah. like, yeah, sometimes you wish you could just step in and throw a towel and inform just like, come on, dude, it's over. Just, like, <laughs> you're, you're hurting the greatness of when you were at your peak right now. Yeah. So, you know, like, I was listening to Joe Rogan, uh, his part of Blues on his podcast, uh, he was just saying, like, you know, all the stuff that Jose Aldo um, has done accomplishing the ring, you know, that McGregor fight just set him back, man. Like, when you think Aldo, a lot of people think of that McGregor fight. They don't think about this guy, like, you know, like, while he was doing the WEC and, you know, prior to that in the UFC, you know, that's just that fight alone really just hurt his career. So, yeah. But all right, guys, uh, anything left to add for um, Aldo Holloway before we move on? Oh, well, uh, just one more. Um, Darnell, uh, you said, you know, talking about Holloway. Uh, who do you think is next in line for him now? That I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, maybe like a Dustin Poirier or something like that, but this division is uh, in a little bit of flux itself. Just, I mean, still because of the turnover from having uh, McGregor vacate and then you had the interim title fight and ended up now having title versus title fight. So uh, I think the UFC matchmakers have some some work on their hands right now trying to rebuild and regrow this division. Uh, I mean, I, I honestly, I wish I could say it was next. I'm just not sure. I think I was telling you earlier, man, I think a fight between uh, him and uh, Frankie Edgar, I think that would be an interesting fight to see. Um, that's uh, one that I would like to see uh, up next. Uh, but uh, 
And Frankie did win his last fight, yeah. so he did a good job his last. So he, yeah. he bounced back from losing to to Jose. Yeah. Now, like, another what I was about to ask you um, is, you know, Holloway, he's a trash talker too. Um, you know, they got this whole Mayweather McGregor uh, thing going on, but uh, Holloway with his trash talk and everything with his fight ability, uh, he could be another uh, big time marketable. Uh, playmaker for the UFC because uh, you definitely see him and McGregor getting an eye for a part two. I would love to see it just because, I mean, that, that fight was a, a decision. Uh, I think nowadays with how both of them have made advances in how they fight, uh, I think we would – I'm not sure if it would make it a full five rounds this time. I think somebody would be way. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely love to see that fight. I just wonder, part of me doubts McGregor is trying to make that weight cut anymore. Yeah. Honestly, if he does, if he does come back to the UFC to actually fight, uh, I think he's pretty much cemented himself, uh, at, at 155 now. Yeah. And that's pretty much what we're going to get from him. Uh, and McGregor, I've, as good as he's done, I don't want to, downplay he's he's beaten some very good fighters and and made some people look bad he also knows the right time to get up and out i'm not sure he wants those problems like to have to make that kind of a weight cut plus be across from somebody that can match him in his length and is a very skilled striker himself is is young is not scared of him and will take the fight to him I'm I'm not sure how much he wants that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting to see, man. Like I would love to see um the uh those two get it on again. Uh but you know, USC somehow Dana's uh breaking up this Mayweather McGregor stuff, so ain't no telling when we'll see uh McGregor back in the UFC uh after that. So. But all right, man, uh you have anything else to add? Uh for Aldo no. and Aldo? About to get to your boy now, man. Oh, Mighty Mouse. Uh, him and Dana White, man. He, they are beefing. Uh, you know, we were talking. To say the least. <laughs> like bring some guns out or something, man. How these two going at it. But, uh, you know, this was just interesting to me, man, because, uh, we talked about, uh, Dillashaw possibly filling in, um, for, uh, for Mighty Mouse, Mouse filling yeah, in. Yeah. Well, it. Mighty Mouse filling in for, uh, uh, Cody Garbrandt, uh, for it, it was 213, 214, uh, whichever it was. Um, and, you know, just looking at it, uh, you know, that was like, man, that would have been a good fight to see, you know, Mighty Mouse, he's tearing through the division. Uh, you know, he's right there about to get ready to break that record. Um, but we didn't really see, you know, the behind the scenes, uh, stuff that was going on before, you know, what would make this fight happen and stuff. So, when it first came out, uh, you know, it, it kind of made it seem like, uh, DJ, uh, was a little bit scared, uh, to fight, um, Dillashaw at first. Uh, it was just how, uh, Dana was making a sound and everything. And then, you know, DJ fired back with this, uh, big long, uh, letter just talking about, you know, how he's just been treated and everything like that. And Dana, if he didn't accept his fight to fight the Dillashaw, Dana would, you know, shut down the whole flyweight division, uh, which is just absolutely crazy, man. But 
just looking at it, you know, I do want to see this fight. I do understand where Mighty Mouse is coming from, you know, with the whole bullying thing, man. But it's this is just crazy. Um, you know, I, I like you know, he's talking about how he's, you know, everybody if they watch this guy fight, you know, you can definitely uh, say that he's probably pound for pound the best fighter in MMA right now. But you know, you're, he doesn't get uh, marketed like other fighters do. And it's just crazy. But, yeah, just what were your just whole thoughts on this? Man? I mean, uh, like, I've I've never thought, I've never been one of those MMA fans that's, like, always siding with the business. Uh, I'm, I've always been more of a pro fighter type of guy. But uh, it, it got pushed even further reading about this story just because, DJ has actually been one of those company guys. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for the UFC, like, there's been a few champions that have, that they've had that have been just straight up company men and they've rewarded them. So, like, along the lines of Chuck Liddell, Matt Hughes, uh, Forrest Griffin, like, these were the guys where basically Dana could call him two hours before a fight and they, they'd show up. Yeah. fight even if it was put putting their belt on the line and and doing something dangerous for them and and dj has been along those lines and he pretty much laid it out in in this uh release that he sent out uh basically he got strong-armed in the fight and uh ray borg which was the next uh fight he was slated for yeah and and of course we get the uh the garbrandt back injury and Basically, Dana goes on on the media press tour, basically saying Demetrius Johnson is going to end up fighting uh, TJ Dillashaw, and and like you said, uh, DJ puts it out that I haven't agreed to a fight, and then Dana goes to his tactic tactics of trying to make it seem like he's scared of doing it, uh, basically along the same lines of when he was negotiating bringing GSP back. Yeah. All of a sudden uh he he doesn't really want to fight. Uh <laughs> I I don't think his head's really into it just cuz just cuz a guy wants to get paid what he knows he's worth. Exactly. Uh in, in GSP's case it was I'm the biggest draw you've ever had uh outside of maybe McGregor uh or Brock Lesnar so no I want to be paid what what I'm going to be paid and of course me coming back is going to be huge DJ's stance is I'm the best fighter in the world and yeah. there's not really much of an argument to this I mean people can say John Jones but as we've we've gone over there's there's that mental aspect of of John Jones yeah. where we don't know if he's actually going to show up to fight this guy is amazing in in, in the cage <laughs> He can do anything you want him to do. He can fight any style. He can wrestle. He can submit people. He can knock people out. But, oh, he's 125 pounds. Yeah. So, I mean, I know we've, we've talked about this before. Some, I don't know if it's just the male ego part of it. If you're watching somebody that you outweigh by 60, 70, 80, 100 pounds, like, I'm not, I'm not here for that. I, I don't find this guy's intimidating enough yeah. throw throw a heavyweight on here that's terrible at fighting and and some people will still pay for it uh but i mean i i'm i'm after reading that whole thing i i've never it, if dj had had some issues beforehand where they were going back and forth about things uh maybe i maybe i would say the truth is somewhere in the middle but on this one i'm 
more so saying I, I'm pretty sure DJ is probably telling the majority of the truth yeah, uh, in I'm this one. You, yeah, I, I can yeah. agree with that too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you have a champion and you're not getting any pay-per-view points off of, off of your fight. Yeah. yeah. And, and not just you're a champion, you're a champion that just tied the record, the, the record for title. Defenses. Yeah. So if you look in a record book, it's his name and Anderson Silva's yeah. next to each other. Yeah. So how the hell do you not pay this guy or promote <laughs> this guy? Like he's the best fighter on the planet. And I, mean, I was people just, didn't think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just about uh, to say I, just real quick was with the whole promotion, like, uh, you know, I know who, you know, Mighty Mouse is and stuff, but coming up in, uh, with his fights, man, like, I'd be looking at other people in that division. I'd be like, who the hell is this guy that he's facing? You know, it's like, it doesn't just seem like, you know, they're just, they're not just promoting that fight, um, as much as any, uh, any other division in the UFC, man. I just, I could definitely, I definitely feel that. Cause, you know, just alone, like, we talk about, uh, UFC, quite a bit uh on here man but yeah like when it comes to a dj fight i'd be like okay who the hell is this guy that he's fighting against like you know part of that just him just clearing up that division uh like it is like just running out of guys for his uh talent and things like that but you know that just that record alone man for him to be putting in work like that and not be getting any pay-per-view points that's ridiculous yeah well and then i guess i gotta look at it as well like okay from what he's pointing out, from what Dana says, like it's it's not worth it for me to promote guys like you. Okay, if you go up just ten pounds and look at that division, a lot of people know who Cody Garbrandt is. Yeah, a lot of people know who Uri- Uriah Faber is. Yeah. A lot of people know who Dominic Cro- Cruz is. A lot of people know uh, who T.J. Dillashaw is. So, like, how how do you have four guys that at least have a reasonable enough name where all of a sudden you're trying to call this a super fight, as as Dana White's trying to call it. And I'm also with that with DJ here. How is it a super fight if I'm fighting a guy that doesn't have a belt and a guy who's division. been knocked never fought in the division and a guy who's been knocked out by the number four fighter now in the in the division? Yeah, did he didn't he beat uh, him twice? Yeah. Is that I'm not sure if it was twice, but I I, I just know he lost in in the uh, in the Ultimate Fighter finale uh, to uh, to to the magician. Okay. So uh, so I mean, DJ is not just like trying to say I have a belt. You need to pay me so much. He he's 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 got receipts for everything he, he's calling out on this. Uh, so I mean. He, he he's he's pretty much laid it all out there and and he he's standing his ground uh basically in a in a interview uh, in regards to Dana threatening to shut the division down his exact words are if you're going to do it then close the bleeping division yeah. but don't expect me to be like oh I'll fight TJ please don't close my division he said if you're going to do it <laughs> do it so i mean i I, I can respect his gangster on this one. Like yeah. he, he's he's saying what he needs to say on it, and 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 he put it out there for anybody that wants to know why this is happening. He's not scared of him. Yeah. He put it out there. He he will he will fight him. He just wanted assurances. If he misses weight, I get his money. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I and I get my money. Yeah. Uh, but they 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 didn't want to promise that. TJ himself said he's fine with that. 
but the UFC is not. So they're trying to play hardball with what is their best fighter. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I don't, I don't really know what you can say for that. I mean, the, you you think the NBA is not going to market Steph Curry? They're not going to yeah. market market Isaiah Thomas. They're little guys. I mean, but if somebody's amazing to watch, yeah. So I, I just don't get what Dana and the UFC's problem is here. Yeah, man. Uh, that's just crazy because you know, like I said, man, when Dana first released that, you know, talking about uh, Dillashaw, I was like, man, is. You know, Mighty Mouse is scared to fight this guy. Like, what's going on? Because, you know, you just look at it, you know, always want to just see, you know, who's this uh, fighter going to be facing. But you don't really always get a good look at what's going on behind the scenes to make this uh, fight work. Um, and, you know, yeah, Mighty Mouse, it was a good thing he came out that man. Because I was like, wow, this guy, I can't believe this guy's kind of scared to fight Dillashaw. Like, all how he's ran through that division. Because me, whenever I see a fighter, um, you know, dominate, especially like DJ's been doing, I always want to see them, you know, move up to a different class or, you know, work something out that they could, you know, fight a guy that's on their, still on their level and whatnot. But, man, uh, it was good that he came out with this, man. And I was about to ask you, because, you know, just looking at this with uh, Dillashaw coming out, could you possibly see more UFC fighters coming out uh, talking about how they're treated with uh, Dana White and such? I mean, if they want anything to change, this is basically what it's going to take. Uh, I mean, of course, if it's going to happen, it needs to be your fighters that have made their paychecks. So, you know, I mean, it's still, it's, it's guys on fight cars that are making five grand. Yeah. Uh, coming in and out of there. And, you know, then they got to, out of that five grand, they got to pay their coaches. Yeah. Yeah. All, all of that kind of stuff. So, uh, let's not forget about this is that still Reebok a, deal, man—the greatest deal of all time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we know how the fighters feel about that. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, this this is this is still a company. Like, just because you are a UFC fighter, a quote UFC fighter, does not mean you are in the money. Yeah. Uh, if if people actually go and look at the payouts for these fights, it's a lot of guys fighting like. I mean, just just being me, I I wouldn't be fighting for the money they're getting paid, even yeah. if I'm on TV a little bit. Especially if if I can't even if I have a little sponsorship, I can't even show the sponsor to really get paid. Yeah. Uh, your life I mean, on the line, man. Your health, dude. You get yeah. some of them hits. Yeah. That would be the same. Exactly. Yeah, but I mean, there there's a lot of fighters where if they get that phone call, hey, this is Dana White with the UFC. I, I think I want want to have you on the pay-per-view card, they're still jumping at it. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, being happy to take this piddly paycheck to possibly get brain damage. Yeah. Uh, it's it's going to take a lot of these bigger-name fighters, your, your DJs, your GSPs, your Michael Bisping's, your ones that are vocal and, and willing to call the UFC on their BS about stuff. Like, these are the guys that need to step up and, you know, maybe – Maybe this union business, like, this is something that they possibly need to do to protect themselves and, you know, make make sure the guys that are lower on the card are protected as well. So, I mean, this this is a big step uh, because, I mean, this this is a Hall of Fame type fighter saying something like this. Uh, like I said, this, this is a guy that a lot of people don't know. Is that his fault? 
I, I don't know. Is it the fault of his, his division possibly? Is it the fault of the UFC? Uh, I, I tend to say probably so because yeah. you don't know if they're marketable if you don't try to market them. And there was a there was a time uh, not too long ago where Dana White said, "I will not have a women's division because there's no way I could sell it." Yeah. But oh, this this fighter named Ronda Rousey came along, who honestly wasn't the most amazing thing on the planet. Yeah. But somehow you figured out how to market her just because she'll talk. And, um, yeah, probably was the yeah. biggest seller of. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I don't know how you can go from saying women aren't marketable to fight. Now you have three divisions and you're thinking about opening or, or two divisions and thinking about opening. The, no, it is three now and thinking about opening the fourth. Yeah. So. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know how that's marketable when a short time ago, like you, you would you said you would never have, have a women's division. Yeah. So I don't know how, how that's the case when you have the greatest fighter on the planet at a certain weight class just because it's lightweight that you don't try to promote it. Yeah. Yeah, man, I can definitely, yeah. You know, it's just, that's just crazy, man. Uh, guy always goes out there, you know, puts in the work. Uh, good guy out the ring, man. And sucks to hear that he's getting treated like this, for sure. It's just safe to say. Yeah, and. Yeah, it's just safe to say that okay. Dan White's the biggest douchebag uh, in sports right now. Man. <laughs> he he he's got a pretty good stake to the title of that. Uh, I mean, he he's he's always had his side. I mean, he, yeah. he he likes to be in front of the camera, so he he builds up a lot of uh, good fare for himself. And for some reason, UFC fans tend to always want to side with the UFC about. About things, but I mean, I, th- I think that's also something that needs to to change with the fan base. These guys that you like fighting, like to watch fight, they are people, and yeah. uh, if you want them to keep fighting, you might want to make sure that they are treated well. So, yeah, you know. yeah, you know, one thing I was the about reason- to say, um, you know, just about that, like I, I mentioned it before, man, but with that. Ali Act comes up in there. I could definitely see a lot of people you uh going away from the UFC, man, because you know, it's one thing, uh, you know, if they're getting paid right. But if a company does offer them a better contract or something for the fight, you could sit here and say, oh, you know what, man, Dana White, man, he's been good to me. He's always treated me well, been respectful, never went to the media if we were disagreeing on something like that. But you look at guys like a GSP and a Demetrius Johnson, if that was getting into effect, they probably would never uh, work with him again, man, just with how it sounded with their experience with him. So, always, man, you got to treat your workers good, man. Well, but, I mean, it's this isn't the first time in history it is for uh, Dana White, even with a star fighter. Yeah. I mean, like I said, just re- recently you had UFC where he, but, I mean, he, he's had a story pass with Tito Ortiz, Randy yeah. Couture, yeah. Uh, Ken Shamrock, I mean, there's, there's been a lot of people that, you know, don't really care for how Rampage, that yeah, how Rampage, Dana White yeah. treats them. They'll work, they'll work with the UFC because that's the best money they can get yeah, if they yeah. actually have star power behind their name. But, you know, Dana, well, there's a lot of people that if they would rather not have to deal with them, but, you know, they're, they're the biggest show in town. Yeah, that's the best right. money you can make if you, if you make it to that top level. 
All right, so man, uh, guys, anything left to say for the uh, UFC? We got a lot in about that today. Pay that man his money. Yeah. Darnell had a few things to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's Darnell's guy, man. Hey, would you would you say that uh, Mighty Mouse is your favorite fighter in uh, UFC right now, or currently, probably, yeah. Okay. All right, uh, Ty, you had anything else to say for UFC? No, I think you guys covered that pretty, pretty good. All right. Okay, we're about to get into the NBA now. Uh, first thing we're about to do, we're about to talk about the Ball family. Uh, there was recently, uh, news coming out that LA may be skipping over, uh, Lonzo, uh, for the draft. This is how it, if it were to happen right now, they'd probably skip over. Uh, just what were you guys' thoughts on that? Uh, to, to a point, I think it's a bluff. Um, honestly, I, I think that Magic Johnson sees a lot of himself in Lonzo Ball in terms of running a fast break, being able to distribute the ball. I, I think there's some some similarity there. Um, and, and I think the Lakers would love the opportunity to draft him. I mean, I don't think you're going to have, you know, your uh, – what is Magic Johnson, GM or president of operations? Like, I think he's both right now. <laughs> both, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, the whole front office, basically. But, uh, yeah. you know, I don't think you're going to have him come out and say we're drafting Lonzo, not LaVar. And then, like, two weeks, three weeks later, be like, yeah, well, we may skip over it. It's like, I mean, I, I understand the point of getting the focus back on Lonzo. But I think this is a a scare tactic, maybe seeing if they can get some team to trade up um, and they can land a player in order for them to trade up. Um, at, at the end of the day, I see them still drafting him at number two, as long as the Celtics don't take him number one. Uh, yeah, I was just about I to don't, say, you I, know, don't just look uh who's picking right before the Lakers at uh, the number one spot yeah. and their rival. So, uh, yeah, I would be a bluff. I, I would, I would be surprised if Boston were to draft him considering he did not work out for them. Yeah. Uh, very rarely do you see something like that happen. Um, I mean, granted, Lonzo, in the way I see it, that whole family has their heart set on the Lakers. No problem with that. Uh, I just wonder if this is, you know, LA trying to bluff a little bit and gave some leverage on a team or, certain player uh, but yeah once again I think just at the end of the day they'll take Lonzo if he's there number two yeah I, I definitely think this is some posturing going on uh, I mean the Lakers know he, he'll be happy to go there if they trade him so I mean that's just kind of something in their back pocket uh, like I Kind of agree with where you're going with Tyler. I, th I think they're just putting this out here partially one to show, uh, LeVar Ball that, hey, we, we don't need to draft him. Mm -hmm. So one, you might want to chill out if you want your son here. Yeah. Uh, I think that was kind of a, a veiled little, I think you need to chill yourself out type deal yeah. there and also like you said I, th I think they were trying to drum up some interest like if we're if if the lakers say they might pass on them but somebody else has their eye on them 
maybe they lob a phone call to Magic. Hey, what if I send you player A yeah. plus our draft pick? You think you'd be even to switch up with us uh, based on yeah. what, how you had the player slotted? So uh, I, I think it's just to you know don't don't show your cards. Just, yeah. Just because just because Levar said we're we're only working out for the Lakers, the Lakers don't have to say well. Yeah. We, that doesn't mean we're drafting you. So yeah. You know, keep keep it to your vest just in case something bigger pops up. I mean, if somebody's going to offer the Lakers a All Star caliber player. Plus their draft pick, maybe like, you know somebody in the, still in the top ten offers you a, a a very high end player plus their pick. Hey, take Levar. Yeah. If if I can if I can make this team maybe playoff ready in a, in a year versus take two or three. Up. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's just keeping your options well, open and, well, and floating out for business. It's it, it's one name that gets thrown around all the time. And not saying this is going to happen, but I think an example where we could see see it be seriously played out is if uh, the Pacers were to say, "Hey, we'll give you Paul George." Uh, I I think that's one situation where we could see the Lakers really dive into this more seriously than anybody thought. I mean, if if they said like, "Hey, we'll give you Paul George for that number two pick," I I think they would interested because I think they would stand a good chance of re-signing him as well so uh, it's not like the Lakers are going to be changed overnight just because they're drafting Lonzo and I think that's the one thing everybody realizes I don't think anybody's saying Lonzo's making them you know a championship team let alone a playoff team outside Uh, of LeVar Yes. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, at, at this point, I think if someone were to offer them a Paul George type, I think we will see very strong consideration out of the Lakers. All right, guys. Uh, anything left to add for this one? Yeah, I just think it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I, I think it at the at the end of the draft, when it's all said and done, the story's going to be Lonzo and Lavar, whether he goes to L.A. or elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he'll be more of a story over Markel Fultz if he goes number one. He'll be more of a story over Josh Jackson if he somehow goes number one. Um, and Lonzo's going to be the story. Uh, Lavar will be the story. Lavar will say something that makes it a story. Uh, so, you know, I think He's just the one player to really be looking at in the draft. All right. Now we're about to get right into the playoffs, guys. Uh, hasn't been entertaining. The finals? Yeah, the, the finals. Still the playoffs, man. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> we'll get right into it. Um, no, this hasn't been, you know, the most entertaining uh, finals so far. Uh, but what are you guys thinking so far? Yeah. It, it may not be super entertaining, but it mirrors last year in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, we see Cleveland down in a 2 hole. Uh, we see ourselves asking a lot of questions about Cleveland. Uh, you know, saying, well, LeBron needs to step it up, but he's playing pretty good basketball. I mean, Carrying game one, he had team, yeah. too many turnovers. But yeah. But I mean, once again, it's just him. I mean, no one else is really showing up. Kevin Love's been okay. Kyrie 
has been a step off. And really outside of those three, nobody's doing anything even worth mentioning. So, uh, Cleveland's going home. We'll see what they can do there. I wouldn't be surprised if they take one at home. Uh, Golden State wins the other and we find ourselves back in that 3-1 scenario. Um, but yeah, I guess that's, that's just a quick take. You know, it's, it seems to mirror last year and we're just wondering who else for Cleveland can actually do something to benefit this team outside of their big three. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it does mirror. Last year, you know, two, two blowouts uh, in those first two games, but there's one big difference uh, in, in the form of a NB, MVP caliber player. A 6'11 uh, forward. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not Harrison Barnes being terrible. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, yes, the, the scores do mirror mirror each other, but I'm not seeing that we get a replay of last year. I mean, no, I completely if, agree. I mean, if 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 Cleveland can come back from a 3-1 hole again against this team, then I may, I just may never watch NBA basketball again. Uh, <laughs> just because I just don't see how it could happen. Yeah. Uh, so, so, I mean, I look at game one where uh, we're going to say pretty much play pay- Perfect and and Cleveland played pretty bad and they they lost by double digits. Game two, Golden State had twenty some turnovers and they still won by double digits. Yeah. Uh, I think it just comes down to the matchups, which we we spoke about earlier. I just there's just not enough pieces on Cleveland to cover all the weapons. Mm-hmm. On Golden State, and especially if Game Two is any indication where Clay Thompson found his jump shot again. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh God. I mean, I. Yeah. What can you do? Because I mean, in that game, their big four, I guess if you want to call it, all of them were hitting shots. Yeah. Draymond was hitting threes. Clay was back to being Clay. Uh, Steph had uh, LeBron James on a merry-go-round at one point, and. Yeah. And KD is still just lethal as he's yeah. been. So, I mean, and, and the big thing for me was looking at LeBron at the end of the third quarter in game two. He just looked gassed. He did. And yeah. just, if, <clears> if, <throat> if the best, yeah, if the best player on the planet is looking like that after seven quarters, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you can do about that. Yeah, in, in Darnell, I, I think we kind of need to give ourselves a little pat on the back here because we, we, we both called two things that have, you know, come to fruition so far through two games. The first being Kevin Durant looking like a finals MVP big time. Mm-hmm. Uh, game one, he was magnificent. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. You know, he was doing everything. Uh, game two, you know, he, he still looks really good. Uh, still leading the team. Uh, but more more people for Gold State came to play uh, game two, so it kind of got you know hidden a little bit. But he the numbers were still fantastic. And then secondly, you know, you called for Steph Curry to step up, and you know I said, you know, that I agreed with you. But I think it's going to be more, you know, he'll play well, but the numbers won't need to be fantastic. And he has played good. I mean, 
I wouldn't say he's playing incredible, but he's playing some really good basketball. He's playing the best finals through two games that he's played in his career. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's all because Kevin Durant, in my opinion, it's all because of Kevin Durant, is opening the floor. He's taking away a lot of the attention. Steph Curry's not being double teamed. Uh, He's able to get open through this incredible ball movement that this team's found. Uh, The offense is wide open, it's spread out, and they're all penetrating and they're all hitting shots. Uh, And Kevin Durant out there plays under the pressure. He likes the pressure. He he plays well under the pressure. I mean, I remember that one year he went for the scoring title and he needed like 30 points. He put up like 48 or whatever Mm -hmm. it was. It was some incredible late night game last game of the regular season. He just lit it up with Oklahoma City. And he just thrives on the pressure and the spotlight where now that it's off Steph Curry a little bit, he's rising to the top. And, you know, I'm happy for Steph Curry. You know, he's one of the better players, you know, we'll see in this era of the NBA. And he's finally starting to get the numbers. And granted, we're not necessarily talking about him, but he's going to be the guy who quietly did it very well this year, as long as he can keep it up. Yeah. And I mean, just, I mean, I guess I, I don't know how you heap more praise on Durant, but like yeah. just going back to this, like I still feel like I mean, not not people that are paid to watch basketball, but uh, just a lot of you know the Twitterverse basically seems like they were surprised that KD stepped up like he has in the finals. Because yeah. I like I think just some people have some kind of amnesia that just because he lost in his only finals, like he played terribly. The dude averaged thirty and shot over fifty yeah. percent yeah. when when Oklahoma City played uh, the, the Heat. So like he he's not one of these guys that comes to a big stage like this and comes up short. Yeah. He he he's done what he has always done. He steps up and plays pretty much amazing and efficiently. And because he demands so much uh, concern on a basketball court, that's made it easier for Steph, and it's allowed Clay to shoot his way back into the game. Yeah. Uh, so I think just just that little fact of having him on the floor and being able to do what he does just naturally and be pretty much unguardable. That's made it a lot easier for the rest of the Warriors to do what they do and, and thrive. Yeah, and to to that point, real quick of uh, Kevin Durant, you know, I find it very unfortunate that losing in the finals basically shuts you down in today's NBA. Like LeBron James loses the finals. Oh, he's not Michael. Kevin Durant bad in the finals. Oh, well, maybe he's not that good. You know, when he when they lost to a good Miami Heat team. You know, it's mm-hmm. like losing in the finals is at at this era of the NBA. Just losing in the finals is the worst possible thing that can happen to you because people think that you don't rise to the occasion. Yeah. You could you, you you could you could be LeBron, average forty, twelve, and ten, not win MVP, and you know lose to a good Warriors team at the time, and people will say, "Well, it's not Michael." Michael was six no. Like it, it's almost an unfair precedent that we put on that we put on people. Yeah, it's the it's the ring culture that that we've yeah. created. I mean, just it, if you're a if you're an elite player and you don't have a ring, somehow you are not as good as like you're not very good. 
I mean, yeah. people still try to throw shade at Barkley, Malone, Ewing, yeah, those type of players. Gary Payton, yeah, yeah, because they played in the in an era where Jordan was, and I mean, it, I and you think about it, probably Akeem Olajuwon probably would still get that same shade too if he didn't win the two yeah. titles in, in the years where Jordan wasn't there. So it's 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 I don't know it's it's what Jordan yeah. created, I guess. Because I, I don't feel like we had that as much when I mean I guess I was younger, so maybe I just didn't see it that way as much. But I mean I, I don't feel like Bill Walton or Bill Russell caused it that you know everybody after him had to win a title to be seen as great. Yeah. Like I feel like we we still see players from the seven eighties and and before as great players, even if they didn't win a championship. But yeah. you know. Once, once we got to that late 80s to 90s era where at first it was all thrown on Jordan that he can't take a team anywhere when he was losing to the Celtics and the Pistons, yeah. got the ring and, and went forward with it, then that's what got thrown on on uh, LeBron because uh, Kobe, Kobe got with Shaq and, and they won a ring quickly, yeah. but... But the stars after that, it seems like that's just been, if you don't accomplish, accomplish this, you're not anything. Yeah. And, and it's, it's kind of funny because a lot of people hold that against LeBron. You know, he had, he's lost in the finals, but four times. Yeah. Um, you know, well, a stat that people have started to fire back with is LeBron's never lost a first round matchup. Well, Michael Jordan's lost multiple times in the first round. Yeah. Um, you know, and in reality, you could look at it. Any way you want to look at it. And I went off on the rant last week. Like I'm, I'm done comparing them. Like it's, it's becoming a petty argument at this point. Uh, but I, you know, I'm just at the point where a, a great player is going to be noticed as a great player in my eyes and he could not win a title. And I won't necessarily blame him because, you know, LeBron showed to me that you cannot carry a team there by yourself. You showed that in 07. Uh, where he was literally the only player of note on that Cavaliers team. And then a couple years ago with Caleb and Kyrie out, he did it all on his own, took it to six and lost. So, you know, if if you're just a great player stuck in a poor situation, it's not necessarily on you. Like, I'm well, still going to say you, you're a really good player. Why are you hating on Mo Williams and Elgaskis, Ty? So, it's Eric Snow that I'm hating. On. <laughs> let, let me let me put it this way: Eric Snow should not be one that I remember. <laughs> uh, Played around here. That's why you can remember. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Now, just uh, you're talking about KD, man. Uh, just looking at his play, a lot of people have been uh, saying, uh, especially I heard from Paul Pierce, uh, they were saying that. Uh, He's overtaken uh, LeBron as the best player in the league. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah I'm, I do. I'm not I just, ready to go there yet. Yeah, man, I just think yeah. that LeBron goes ahead and, uh, you know, ties the series 2-2. Uh, they'll be back to nut-hugging LeBron again. So, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's true. It's yeah. true. You know, honestly, people, people who think or people who even – give a hint that KD is better than LeBron. One, have probably started liking the Golden State Warriors in the last four years. Yeah. <laughs> or two, yeah. 
have just moved to this country and purchased their first television, and this is what they're watching. Like there, there's no, there's no point to have that conversation with anybody. If anybody were to ever say that to my face, I would turn around and walk away. Yeah, I, I will not entertain that thought. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little much right now. I mean, like I said, KD is he's playing the best of anybody in this finals. Uh, I will give him that, uh, but. He is also on the far more talented team, yeah. Right. Uh, in my opinion, so the way the way things just open up, KD should technically look better by how these teams match up. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm not gonna go from this and say that means he's better than LeBron. He he's the clear cut number two best player in the NBA. I think right now. Sorry, Kawhi. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's you'll take him over my dog, re- man. At him right now, yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You got you got a guy that's six ten, six eleven, with a seven foot wingspan that can shoot, that can defend, that can score. Uh, I mean, it, it's possible right now if if we had a draft of any player, and and I I get these players for multiple years, I might possibly draft him over LeBron just because he's a little younger. Uh, and has a little less wear and tear on him, but, but I'm not, I'm not going to go and say he's better than LeBron. Uh, just cause still what LeBron, LeBron has been amazing himself in these two games. It's just, you know, uh, other factors are keeping them from winning this game. Uh, he, 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 along with his team had a lot of turnovers in game one, uh, he being LeBron. Uh, but you know, game two, you have, Kyrie Irving going off on the reservation to try to match points with people where I think he did a lot to pull the team out of rhythm. Uh, Kevin Love has actually been good on offense, but he's a, he's still a liability on defense for the most part. So, I mean, you, you can't expect him to do everything uh, against these teams, even though he's with two other stars. And so NBA fan, I know he has two other all-stars with him. But he's playing a, another team with multiple all-stars on it, but they all can play defense where Cleveland's Achilles heel all year has been they can't guard anybody. Yeah. So, yeah, them breaks. And, yeah, and, and I'll, you know, kind of go back to something I, I noticed in game one. Uh, I mentioned it last week, the depth of Golden State is far more impressive than anybody's even really leading on to. They had 12 guys scoring game one, and Cleveland had three key players who didn't even score a point. Tristan Thompson and Kyle Korver being two of them. Uh, that's alarming. Like that, that's having 12 guys score, I think, is incredible in itself. That means you're bringing guys from deep off the bench to put in points. Um, you can have a second unit on there and still expect to be scoring. Uh, Cleveland, they're putting guys on the floor just to give LeBron a two-minute breather and just hoping the game doesn't get away from them. You know, that's, you know, like you said, other factors, Darnell, that, that's a huge one. If you can't bring guys off the bench and still stay competitive, I mean, I'm sorry, LeBron can only play 48 minutes for so long and him already looking gassed. Yep. It's, it's not a good equation. 
Yeah, Cleveland's bench is looking real suspect right now, and I don't think anybody yeah, can deny it. And, and then a couple of their starters, you know, J.R. Mm-hmm. Smith has scored three points the whole series. Tristan Thompson's been MIA. Corver is is spotty from shooting. Darren Williams looks just oh, awesome. Darren Williams, yeah, he was another yeah. one that hasn't done all. Yeah, so I mean, I, I don't know what you do. Like they're they're giving. Iman Shumpert, like, way more minutes than he deserves in the series. And just because he's at least being aggressive and, and doing some things, but I mean, it's, it's still not helping anything. They're still losing by yeah, double I mean, he's, he's, it, To be fair, Shumpert's a better defensive option than J.R. Smith, but J.R. Smith's a better offensive option, and neither are giving them a whole lot. <laughs> Yeah, man, I just kind of feel uh, for LeBron a little bit, man, because uh, it kind of makes me wonder, you know, how much longer will I see, you know, LeBron just playing at this peak because uh, you talk about the 2007 uh, team that he had. This guy's been carrying uh, teams uh, for a while now. Got uh, to take a little bit off with the heat because he had a good cast around him. But it sucks, man, for you to go to the finals uh, seven, eight, uh, straight times, and then you go out there, you just ball out, and then your cast just doesn't step up to the plate, man. That's just really got to be uh, disappointing, man. It's got to be wearing them down. So, yeah. Hey, Le- LeBron called it out in the middle of the season. Yeah, he said we need some other pieces. Right. He, yeah. he 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 wasn't talking about for the the season that was happening. He was looking for right now. Yeah, he, he saw this team and how they play. He he knew what we got right now is probably not enough. Yeah, yeah and to to be fair, they went out and got what they could afford. Yeah. I mean, Darren Williams and Andrew Bogut were two good good signings. Don't get me wrong, but you're signing two older players. One got hurt. There's nothing to do about it. Bogut. I mean, that just happens. Like Cedric all those breaks. But I mean, you're getting a point guard in his, in his, what, early 30s? I mean, a guy that his best years are well behind him back in Utah. But yeah, like, it's, you, you can't get him in the NBA Finals and expect, you know, 15 points a game here. Yeah. Yeah, that's why, like, last week, I, you know, I brought up D. Will. Um, you know, like I said, I know he's not going to be, uh, you know, the old D will back in Utah, but uh, mm-hmm. this bench needs some helps, man. So if, if you know if he can come out there, man, get some assists, some easy buckets uh, for his teammates, so he can find a little rhythm. Uh, that will help. That will help uh, LeBron sit and get his little rest a little bit more. But uh, you know, the bench isn't performing yeah. well, and some of uh, the starters out there with LeBron are performing well right now. So it's it's looking tough, man. Yeah, you know, I, I guess last point for me. Uh, I, I, I'm just curious to see if this Golden State team is going to kind of show a little bit of a shift again in how rosters get formed. Now, granted, they went out, got Kevin Durant. They now have, you know, two of the biggest faces of the of the NBA, Durant, Curry, and two other players that, you know, could start absolutely anywhere in the world in Draymond Green and Clay Thompson. I wonder if this team who has chemistry through the roof is going to get teams questioning is chemistry more important than, you know, the top tier talent. Like now granted, I understand this, this 
Golden State team has all that talent to go with it. And that's why they're so good. But I wonder if teams are going to look a little more into chemistry rather than just getting, you know, Blake Griffin to, you know, go to the Celtics. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that'd be a... But would the chemistry be there? Like, I wonder if teams are going to look at chemistry a little bit heavier now because this Golden State Warriors team has it. Oh, well, yeah, and, man, and the Warriors... Was this this Warriors team outside of KD? This was a team that was like built through through the draft for the most part. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Steph Steph was the top fifteen pick. Clay was a later first round pick. Draymond's a second round. Yeah. So I mean, this was they're an anomaly in that fact that. Oh, I agree. They built a super team through the draft and then came across this last big piece that they could afford because they had these other three players that were still playing on pretty much rookie deals where they didn't have to pay them much. So, I mean, it's, they're a little different in that way. Yeah, uh, so I, I'm not like other teams may want to try to pick up this, this formula, but I mean, it's going to take a nice eye for talent to be able to do this. No, I, I agree with that. And I guess my, my point wasn't so much teams just, you know, going through free agency or whatever to get it. I, I think, I guess at that point, what, I, what I'm saying is our team's going to start looking and saying, all right, here's what we want to run. What guys can we get that play that style, like basically to a T? Because, you know, Steve Kerr's drawn this up perfectly. I mean, granted, Mark Jackson kind of got the band together, but... Um, you know, what Steve Kerr has these guys running is literally all of their games to a T, and he has them in a role that could not be drawn up better for these guys. And I wonder if teams are just going to start to look and just say, we need to reevaluate what we're doing because it's not working and they're mowing down the NBA. And but but yes, Darnell, it will take someone with an incredible eye for talent to see that. All right, guys. Uh, with the Cavs being down 0-2, uh, do you think they should be worried right now? Because you know you started this off, Tyler, was saying you know there were similarities uh, between mm-hmm. you know this playoff, this final so far, and last year's finals. Um, yeah. You know, should they be worried right now, or is you know, hey, we we were in the same situation last year. Go ahead and get this uh, home win tomorrow, and get, we'll be back right back at it. How do, how do you yeah. guys feel? I, I, I'm going to say no, and I'm going to say no, they shouldn't be worried for two reasons. And it's going to, I guess both will turn out to be what should be a yes, but they're, they're still kind of no's. I'm going to say no because, one, they were in this position last year. They're down 2 nothing. Um, You know, they game three... If they, if they lose, I'm going to go ahead and say it's over. Like at that point, there's nothing to worry about. It's over. Um, they need to come out and win game three if they still want a, want a chance. Um, so for that, I'm going to say no, because they, if they can win game three, it's, it still looks like it's a series. Um, the other, the other, <clears throat> excuse me, the other reason I'm going to say no is because, you know, they're, they're, far outmatched here. Through two games, they are far outmatched. Um, I think they need to quit worrying about, you know, what Golden State's doing. They need to quit worrying about, you know, 
trying to keep up with them. They just need to come up with a plan that they think is really going to put them out there to win. Um, and I mean, if you're worried in the NBA finals, you can go ahead and write yourself off. Um, I mean, like I said, both of those kind of sound like I should be saying yes. And I guess at the end of the day, I am, but like, you know, Cleveland, Cleveland's just, they're not this Golden State team. This Golden State team is something to watch. Like, they're incredible. And I don't know how Cleveland can sit there and basically say, you know, we got them where we want them. I mean, they, they're, they're nowhere close to having them where they want them. Uh, it, that worked out last year, but one, that was last year. And two, you know, there's some different factors in play now. Like we said, a guy who's 6'11 forward who's playing like an MVP. Um, so, you know, no, they shouldn't necessarily be worried, but it's not looking good for them. I'm not going to say, yes, they should be worried. I'm going to say, hell yeah, they should be worried about the. I'm just going to go back to what we've gone over with this. I mean, this this is not the same team as last year that Cleveland came back from 3-1 on. There's this, you know, seven-foot anomaly on the court that can shoot from wherever you want him to shoot from. He can drive. He can pass. And, you know, last game he had five blocks. So, mm-hmm. So, yes, I, I think they should be worried for all the reasons we spoke of. It looks like LeBron is basically tiring down. Uh, you, you can see why Cleveland picked rest days for some of these players, but it's still looking like it's not enough uh, because I mean, it's, it's just too many great players on the floor uh, to try to cover at once. And LeBron is having to do too much on both sides of the ball and not getting – I won't say he's not getting enough help from his two all-star teammates. Uh, I I think he can get more out of Kyrie just because he's not really being too efficient. But, you know, the the bench they have, I just don't feel like they're up to snuff. All right, guys. Now, what they got to do to turn it around? Do do, do you guys, like, I think we all agree Golden States, they, they thrive on transition. They mm-hmm. love to run with the ball, uh, you know, ball movement. They, they're very efficient and they score at a high clip. Uh, I, I think if they want to do, do anything to try and change the fortune of the series, I think they have to slow the game down by as close to 10 possessions as they can. Um, I think they need to hold it on offense. They need to. Yeah, obviously play some better defense, play better transition defense, because uh, I don't think you can stop Golden State from getting into transition for a game. Uh, that's just impossible. But I, I think they just have to find a way to slow it down and be efficient. Um, the, it's, it's just the idea that when, when you let Golden State control the tempo, you're playing their game. Uh, they do a very good job of forcing forcing the issue, forcing the issue that they want to force. Um, they don't let many teams push them around in terms of tempo. So I think Cleveland's going to have to slow it down and really take control of the tempo on both ends of the floor, stop transition, and, and uh, just slow it down on offense, 
possibly get LeBron in the post a little bit, see what he could do down there. Um, no, I feel like sometimes he gets into a, into a habit where he starts to shoot a little too much and not really get to the rim. Uh, but I also think you could get Tristan Thompson in the post. So I think if you could just slow it down, set it up, uh, really play some solid defense, don't allow Gold State to get in transition, uh, that would give Cleveland a pretty decent chance. Yeah, um, I agree with a lot of that. Basically, they, they do need to bring the pace of the game down some. Uh, of course, they, they Cleveland's not your traditional half-court team, so I don't think they can turn it into that type of a game either. Yeah. Uh, they, they're going to have to try to get out and run some and, and get their transition game going, but they can't. They have to stop trying to match everything that Golden State does. And that's a good point. And I, this, this is along my theme of arguing, argument along this, uh, finals discussion. I put a lot of this on Kyrie. I think he, he's getting a little bit of that, you know, street ball feeling where if Curry does something, he has to come back down and try to match it. And it's like, that's yeah. not that kind of game. Yeah, so Uncle Drew on him, man. Yeah. So if if he cooks somebody and gets to the lane or hits a long three, you don't need to come down with tunnel vision and and start dribbling to try to get your shot off because you're playing right into the Warriors' hands there. Uh Cleveland needs to get back to trying to play their brand of basketball. Uh they shoot a lot of threes themselves, but they they rely on some ball movement. So get the ball going around. I don't know if that means making LeBron start the offense more so just to keep it out of Kyrie's hands a little more until he has good shots to just take. But they have to figure out some way to bring the pace down so at least five or ten seconds are coming off the clock uh, when Cleveland comes down. I'm not trying to do a ten – not to do like a a seven-second offense like they're – the Phoenix Suns from ten years ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, they they they're not built for that, especially not against this Golden State team, which defends well and they they cause turnovers and they get out on the floor and run. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, without just saying play better defense, they they need to basically go uh, a good running game and football type of deal where yeah. uh, allow your offense to help your defense. Uh, mm-hmm. allow your offense to help keep your best players rested so they can play some defense or at least mm-hmm. get in the correct positioning to try to get rebounds when they, when they're available and, and step in the way of and, and contend against some of these open shots that Golden State has been getting. Yeah. Just real quick. Do you guys kind of feel like some of the guys for Cleveland are passing up, you know, good opportunities to possibly shoot. Now, I'm not saying, like, there's throwing up bad shots, you know, potential to throw up bad shots or anything, but do do you just feel like they're all kind of looking at LeBron going, like, all right, like, like, they're looking to LeBron just do it. Like, they're looking for him to explode for 45 or something like that. Like, because I kind of feel like with some of the guys who haven't done a whole lot this series, I'm looking at, uh, you know, Bear Smith, Jumper, Kyle Korver, I feel like they're just starting to get a little hesitant, just giving the ball to LeBron and like expecting him to do something incredible. Um, you know, I don't know if that's 
know, being scared of the big moment, which I don't understand why. I mean, granted, I always say JR never met a shot I didn't like Smith. Uh, <laughs> which, I mean, he'll, he'll always throw his up, but I felt a couple times he passed when I thought he took a shot. Um, now granted, that could be for any but like Corver, I, I don't know. He's just not making them. And I feel like the, the team, Cleveland, when they're not clicking offensively, gets hesitant and just dishes to LeBron and expects him to do it. And I think that's why he had so many turnovers game one. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they just kind of, they've fallen into a little bit of a trap, a trap of playing with the best player on the planet. Yeah. Uh, where they, they got settled more into it through these playoffs where for as much as people talked about how bad they look defensively and they, they may not make it to the finals playing like this, how they were during the regular season. Yet when it came to playoff time, when the lights were on, LeBron somehow kicked it into another gear, which yeah. brought the rest of the team up. I think they're just expecting that there to be a next gear even after this, but it was like, yeah. dude, he, yeah. he is still a human being. I know yeah. he's built like a truck and, and in great condition, but do you, you see the, the five guys across from you or, or at least four to five, which we're all on an all-star team this year? Come on. Like, yeah. They have more than enough firepower to at least cancel out LeBron. Like the rest of you guys need to pick up and do something. Yeah. And to to that All Star comment, should have been five out of five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all know it. Yeah. But but yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. Like I, I just feel like, and once again, the media falls into that same trap too. We expect LeBron to do more when there's really no more he can do. You know, and I actually saw somebody tweet this, you know, uh, a few days ago. I forgot who, who it was, but they said when it looked like there wasn't a way, Michael Jordan found a way. It's like, yeah, well, he didn't play this Golden State team at all. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I feel like he, he would have struggled against this Golden State team. Per, like him, him personally. Uh, no, I'm not saying he wouldn't have gone out and averaged. 18 or 20, but which he very well could have done just because he was a good scorer, but I don't know. I feel like this this would have been you know, just a different animal for him. Well, it's just people point, point, try to bring up the Michael issue. Yeah, He, he also was on a team where I mean, it, it, I'm not going to try to get into debating the errors and all that kind of no, stuff, but but at least he had he had other greats on his team that he knew they were going to step up in their situations. Yeah, uh, those Bulls teams, you knew if 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 nothing else, they were all going to play really good team lockdown defense. Yeah. Rod Rodman was going to command uh, whoever he was guarding the paint, he was going to get under their skin. He was going to make them shoot lower percentages. He was going to turn his back and rebound. Scotty Pippen was going to possibly take the best score on the team uh, to allow Jordan that break uh, and not have to take that on. So when it came down to crunch time, where they would probably still be in a game where he could go in and be, be Michael and, and have his late game heroics. Cleveland doesn't have that. 
There is nobody. There is nobody that can give LeBron a breather by covering Durant. It's just not going to happen. And and even if there was, what are you going to do with LeBron? Then? I, uh, put him on Draymond, who's still going to. He may not be some amazing scorer, but he's going to body you up and, and force him to still have to exert energy. Are you going to put him on on Steph? Well, we, we saw that dribbling spree that got put on him. Not not saying that that's going to be a common thing, but there's not a guy on that team outside of maybe Pachulia that you could put LeBron on to give him a break. Yeah. And, and I guess that's you know exactly my point. It's just like there's not much else we can stick LeBron into this series and expect him to magically produce, you know, 15 more points that puts him in it right at the end. Like, it's it's just not there. And it's unfair to even think that we can throw LeBron into a situation where he can give more. Because he's given a lot. And I give him a lot of credit for it. Just, this is a beast of a series. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, you guys got anything else about that? Uh, I, I'll just, I'll just say it. I think Cleveland takes one of these home games. I believe so too. So yeah, I think they'll take one. That's very generous of you guys. Well, you, I'm. You think it's going to be a sweep? Yeah. It's starting to look that way to me. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to ever totally count LeBron out. Just, yeah. I mean, I do believe in his greatness that much, but god damn, Golden State is looking ridiculous right now. And uh, I, I agree. I, I don't. I, I think the games will be closer in Cleveland, just because Cleveland will have the crowd with them, and they'll have some. The confidence will be up a little bit, but it, I, I just feel like Golden State probably feels it right now that this is a time to step on the neck. If if yeah. Cleveland doesn't win Game Three. It's a sweep. I'll, I'll say that. Okay, that that's fair. Did did you say Golden State in five or six? I I said five, and five. I wouldn't be surprised if it's four. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, I just couldn't remember if you said five or six because I know I know I said six. So, all right, all right, y'all. It's always what, oh, I guess we'll have to run back to ten. Maybe I said six, but I had to check. It, 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 no, it's, no, it's, it's shrinking. No, it's shrinking. No, I think I think you said five. I think you said five. Wouldn't be surprised if it's four. I think you said that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all got anything else? Nope. Nope. Covered a lot, man. All right, y'all. Appreciate y'all for checking us out. As always, uh, you can find us on Twitter at DKM underscore cast. Uh, you can also find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, YouTube, SoundCloud, just hit us up in that search engine. Uh, but y'all take it easy. Appreciate y'all for checking us out. Peace.